0: i'm doing with
1: it yeah let's do that then then i can ask you all my dumb questions
0: yeah and i can harp on like you have to do this you have to do that (laughs) yep
1: this episode is sponsored by harvest i used harvest to track time track subcontractors time and invoice clients Their time tracking is really simple and easy to use. Invoicing includes a pay now function by credit card and PayPal, and you can sign up at getharvest.com. Use the code RF to get 50% off your first month. Hosting and bandwidth provided by the Blue Box Group. Check them out at bluebox.net. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 25 of the Ruby Freelancer Show. This week on our panel, we have Eric Davis. Hello. And I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv. I guess we're not really a panel, are we?
0: Yeah, we're more like a corkboard right now.
1: Yeah, whatever, something like that. So uh, this week we're going to be talking about managing finances. It was kind of funny when when we uh, decided like two seconds ago to uh, to talk about this. Um, oh, there is a an entry in the uh, forum there. But uh, anyway, it was it was funny because I, I started you know talking about what an idiot I am with managing money, and Eric says, "Oh well, I I'm, I'm pretty good at that." <laughs> so. This is probably going to turn into, Chuck, you're a dummy. Don't do that anymore.
0: <laughs> but, yeah, just to clarify, I'm good at the managing money, not that I'm good at being an idiot. I'm <laughs> still practicing on that part.
1: Yeah, get on it. So uh, anyway, there there is a question here. It says, how do you know what you can afford to buy? Should you be saving money for later, investing in a retirement account, that kind of stuff? So anyway... Um, So I had a little bit of a money crisis here lately, and uh, I don't know if I should talk about this publicly, but I really don't care, so I'm going to. Um, I had a client that uh, took a little bit of extra time paying me, and then on top of that, I took it over to the bank, and the bank... Um, They graciously held the funds for five days. Thanks, uh, bank. And uh, anyway, so the whole situation was kind of a headache. And I would pretty much burned through all of the emergency fund that I had in place. Uh, You know, any runway I had and any credit cards I had that I could um, live on while I was waiting to get paid. So now we're paying everything back off uh, since I did get a check. I haven't gotten all the money from them, but I got a check. Um, which can kind of bring me back current with everything. And, um, you know, so, so is there a good way to avoid problems like this other than having money in the bank?
0: I mean, that's basically like you need to have like, it's called like an emergency account or emergency fund. And, um, trying to think how much I have in mind. It's basically three to six months of expenses. And in my case, I actually consider my salary as an expense. Um, So that's kind of the main thing you want to do. And
1: so, so that's for your business.
0: Yeah. My business has that and it's just a, you know, plain savings account. Uh, don't worry about getting the best interest rate on it. It's not for interest. And then, um, I also have like an Amex card, which has, uh, I think like a $10,000 limit, a pretty decent limit. I mean, when you're freelance, you don't have many expenses other than like paying your salary. And then if you're have subcontractors and stuff, right? Um, but basically, like, those, I mean, that's the two things you can do. It's an asset to either your cash or you have um, the ability to, to use a liability, which is a credit card, or um, you can get, like, a small business loan or, like, a home equity loan for that.
1: Right. So you can use, uh, I guess, a, a, a liability or debt to, to cover it, too.
0: Yeah. And, I mean, that's kind of like what you said you did with the credit card. And credit cards are the worst just because the interest rates. But, oh, yeah. I mean, all, all debt's kind of the same way. And... The, the point is you want to use that kind of thing when you know you're going to be getting cash, at, you know, pretty soon at the end and you just need to float like a few weeks or maybe a month, um, you know, because then the interest rate is just kind of a cost of doing business.
1: Yeah, well, it's, it's frustrating, too, when you're out of money and you have, you know, upwards of twenty or $30,000 in invoices waiting to be paid.
0: Oh yeah, I mean, but if you actually ask like any like mom and pop style business who has employees, making payroll like every month or every two weeks is always a huge headache, just because like they might have all these receivables there and all these people that owe them money, but they don't actually have cash. Right. And so that's why um, a lot of business books talk about how important cash is, and they have like the thing like cash is king, and you can be profitable on paper like a lot of like dot com startups, but if you don't have cash in the bank, your business
1: can still die. Right. So then, do you have um, do you have a budget for your business every month? A what uh, do you have a budget for your business every month? Then, no.
0: I mean, I've done that. I've done it for personal stuff. Budgets, to me, they're really restrictive because it's like you just have all these little buckets, and it's like if one bucket gets too full, you blew your budget. And um, most of my stuff's pretty like subscription type things or server hosting, so it's pretty regular. But it, I just found it like. The budget process took a lot of time, and it was never correct. I mean, it's it's like estimating software. Like you could put a lot of work <laughs> into it, but you're never going to get it perfect.
1: <laughs> Instead so, of guessing how long it's going to take or how much it's going to cost the client, you're you're guessing how much you're going to spend on it.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I mean, what I do now, um, I think. Every three months or every six months, I look through what my expenses are, like what I'm paying for and try to like get rid of some. Like, I think a month ago I went and did that and basically junked about two or $300 worth of expenses. Um, right. And then over time, you know, I'll subscribe to more things or I'll buy more things here and there and some one-off purchases. And then, you know, probably like this winter, I'll go back, look at it again and get rid of some other stuff. And it's kind of a... Kind of the idea of like get rid of the expenses that don't contribute to your productivity or you actually creating revenue or creating value the most.
1: Right. So the thing is, is like I have some equipment here that, you know, my audio equipment and things like that, that, you know, it's, it's nice to have. I mean, it's especially nice to have when I have to record a podcast and things, but you know, I, I tend to find things online that I really would like to have that would make make the process easier and you know sometimes I buy them because you know I feel like it'll save me some time and sometimes I buy them just because I think they're nifty and sometimes I don't buy them because I I don't think that they're really going to ever pay off as far as time goes but is there a way that you evaluate that um
0: not like a hard way but if it's like you know you know it's a good month like you've had a lot of a lot of work and you know people are paying their stuff on time you can kind of spend more money Um, typically if it's like something I know it's going to be useful and it's like 20 maybe 30 bucks I'll buy it you know most books and screencasts kind of fall into that category Mm -hmm. when it starts pushing like I don't know 7500 200 I kind of put it off and I'll I'll typically look at something and be like okay that's cool and I'll put that on my wish list or like a list of things I want to buy later and I let it sit there for a couple months and then if in a couple months I still want to buy it then I'll go and buy it and I mean like larger things like computers or like my iPad like you know we're talking almost a thousand dollars like that I sit on those purchases for about six months to twelve months, mm-hmm. And especially with technology because it's going to change. And so I'm like, okay, I want to get like a top of the line laptop. I'll spend fourteen hundred dollars. Let me look at some right now, and these don't look that great. I'm going to wait another six months, and that's kind of what I'm doing right now with my laptop. I'm just kind of waiting it out to see what comes up, you know, by this winter time.
1: Yeah, that, that's that's another uh, purchase that I really want to make. Um, the laptop I have, I've had it for. Four years, and it's it's still in okay shape, but, like, the power supply started going out on it, and I've heard that on this particular model of MacBook, it just... Once things start to go downhill, everything else starts to go with it. Mm-hmm. And so, I'm, I'm wondering if I'm going to be forced in a position where I have to buy one within the next few months.
0: Yeah, and that's kind of like... Uh, you can use the emergency fund for that too. It's like, if you know your laptop's dying, you can put aside a thousand or 1500 bucks in the emergency fund. It could be the same account. You just kind of like, you know, earmark it as this is for a laptop mm-hmm. and basically run the laptop you have into the ground. And then when that happens, you have the cash and you already know what you're going to buy and you just buy it. Right. Um, I've had that happen with my old desktop. What was it? I think, yeah, a video card went out one time and like, The computer wouldn't even boot up. It just completely went out. And so I was on my phone and basically ordered a new video card and had it overnighted. And next day I was back up and
1: running. Right. Yeah. And those kinds of things where you really can't even function for work without it. I mean, those things are definitely emergencies and you just pull money out of the emergency fund and take care of it.
0: Yeah. And I mean, let's, let's be honest here. Like, even if you get like a high end Mac and it's like 2000, maybe 3000, if you get everything decked out, if you're doing like Ruby development as a freelancer, like that's maybe half a month of billables, you know, maybe a month on the low end. Like, you can make that back relatively quickly. And so if it's a matter of like, You know, if you're working on like a PowerBook G3 and you're like, hmm, I don't know if these new Macs are going to be fast enough for me, you're probably going to get a huge productivity boost just from that. And consequently, you should be able to bill more and be more efficient, you know, considering that realistically, most freelancers, all we pay for is our computer, our Internet, whether it's, you know, at home, at an office or at a coffee shop and then hosting like those are our expenses.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And then any services and tools that we need to run our business.
0: Yeah, but those are you know with a one person you know company, those are like what nine bucks, fifteen bucks, maybe thirty bucks. Yeah. Like it's not that much. Yeah. You know, it, like it's not like you have to buy like a factory with hundred thousand dollars piece of equipment.
1: Yep, absolutely. So then, um, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Is just look at what what you're bringing in every month, what you're putting out every month, and then yeah, make a plan to put away so much every month so that you can cover future expenses should things, you know, slow down or, you know, you wind up waiting an extra couple of weeks for payment from a client. Um, Yeah.
0: I mean, one, one freelancer told me, he basically decided that every year he's getting a new Mac laptop. um, What is it? A new iPhone. And then, you know, assessors for that stuff. And so he said every year my business is going to have about $2,500 in equipment purchases and he then broke that down and says, so I need to allocate $200 a month to equipment. Right. And so, you know, he just, he knew he was doing that in some years, like maybe this year he's like, I'm not actually not going to buy anything. And then, but next year he might buy a laptop and an iPad and a new monitor or whatever. So it might be a little more, but he had that in his head, like his cost of doing business only happens once a year, but it's going to be $200 a month to to stretch that out. And so he figured that out into his uh his rate and all his financial planning.
1: That makes sense. So when you set your rate, did you do you base it then on how much you think you're going to need to make everything balance because it sounds like that's what he did or do you actually just bill however much you think you can get?
0: Well, If you do it based on your cost, it's called cost plus pricing. It's like, okay, $200 a month for computer systems, $50 for hosting, all that. If you do that, you're going to end up with a rate of like $5 an hour, you Mm -hmm. know, because we don't have much expenses. Like to be honest, I think my expenses are around a thousand a month, but of that, I have like two or $300 in like training and education each month.
1: Right. And, And then the rest of your expense is your salary.
0: Yeah and yeah and then I have a, a salary on top of that but it's like $1000 of like you know actual expenses and subscriptions and stuff like that. And I mean like realistically to make that as a rate like that's a really low rate versus what the market will bear what my value is what I actually give to clients. And so I I take that in consideration of like I need to make this much in order to cover costs but I set my rate based on you know what I'm doing for a client, what they're going to get out of it and you know probably thousands of other factors that just go through my head.
1: Right. And so do you just pay yourself the same amount every couple of weeks or every month then? And then everything else is retained by the business?
0: Yeah. And I I pay myself like nothing like I should, but I pay myself enough to, on the personal side, like we have enough money to do what we need to pay our personal bills. And then I keep the money in the business just because uh, the way stuff's structured, it's easier to keep money in the business than it is to take it out and then put it back in.
1: Right. That makes sense. All right. So what about personal finances? You know, managing your, your money after you get, um, after you pay your salary? Uh, do, you, do you sit down and budget things with your wife or, you know, do you just kind of fly by the seat of your pants or how does that all work? Um,
0: so I come from a heavy finance background and we tried budgeting a lot and same with like the business stuff it just it felt like a lot of work to do and especially when you bring in my wife it's for two people to coordinate and do that it's it's a lot of work it takes a lot of time um if you don't have a lot of financial discipline it's a good thing to do and it's actually a good thing to to try for a month or two just to kind of see where stuff is but right now we basically just know like this is how much our, our mortgage costs. This is how much our car is, how much we pay in gas. And so we know like we're going to pay this much a month plus or minus of bit. And then we actually have an allowance where uh, each of us gets, uh, I think like $125 a month that we can blow on whatever we want. So like, uh, for instance, this month I bought a whole bunch of running things. And it's like, I don't even have to ask her permission to buy it. I just buy it. Um, and then same for her, like she goes out to eat a lot at work and so she can just go out, you know, get whatever she wants. Or if she wants to go, uh, get some stuff for some hobbies she does, she can just go and buy that doesn't have to ask my permission. Um, right. and then everything else, it's kind of like we have back and forth, like, okay, do we need to get in a new refrigerator or can we make this one last or, you know, do we really need to take a vacation in December or that sort of idea? Um, And that's kind of goes back to what I was talking about where I have a set salary and she basically has a set salary from her, uh, her employer. And so with those two, we kind of figure like this is the lifestyle that we can maintain with those salaries.
1: Right. That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. So um, yeah, we, we don't have as much uh, discipline as we should. And so uh, for me, I think, I think we would sit down and start doing a budget and things and, and figuring things out there. We really haven't, Uh, nailed a lot of that down. And I think that's gotten us into some trouble that we could have avoided if we had actually been aware of of what we were doing. And I really like the idea of doing a salary, just a monthly salary and just say, look, you know, we're going to get paid on the 1st and 15th and you know, we're going to bring in, you know, about how much and you know, just, just do it that way. And then we, that way we're aware and we're just saying, look, you know, so this effectively gets us to where we can you know, eat out these couple of times, we can, you know, go on a couple of dates. And, you know, other than that, we need to be doing these other things so that we stay under that line. And
0: yeah, and especially if you have a corporation, or in my case, I have an LLC, so it's not as strict, but you ha- kind of have to do that. Like, if you have a corporation and are like, I'm going to pay myself 4000 this month and then 10000 next month, that's, that's really weird. And I, I don't know, you know, local laws, whatever, but that could be against the law. Um, What I do for mine is every year you have like a meeting in your corporation or LLC. This says like, these are the new rules. These are the changes. And at that time I say like, we, the LLC are going to pay Eric X amount of dollars per month for this year. And so that's how it sets my salary and then you know if it changes then there's a, a formal notion or whatever uh, meeting by the LLC members to change the salary or give me a raise or you know cut my time or you know any of that weird stuff and right. so it's really formalized and that way if you bring someone else on it's not like discrimination that the CEO is getting like his salary changes every month but you know this other person their salary is set
1: right that makes sense um, I was I've, I've kind of gotten the impression here that it's not as strict that way. And so I have tended to just pay myself whenever I got, whenever the business got paid. And, uh, I I really like the idea of being regular about it though. And then I can just sit down with my wife and say, look, you know, this is, this is the budget every month. And you know, these, these are the constraints that we're going to be under. And you know, we can, we can figure out what that number is so that we're both comfortable with it. And then just kind of run from there. I I re it really appeals to me that way. And that way, I can, you know, put the rest of it in the business. And then if things are a little bit lean, then I can pay the subcontractors instead of waiting to get paid. So I can pay the subcontractors or this or that. yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, and also like, so I just got back from basically two months of leave for my daughter. And the first month I had about half the income that I normally would just from, you know, invoices taking time to get turned into a check. And so that month it was fine, but then um, in July because I wasn't working, um, I still the pay my I was still paying my salary and paying expenses. I actually pulled money out of the emergency account to make my own payroll, and so it makes it really structured of like okay, you know it's the tenth right now or whatever. We need to we need to pay Eric soon. How much do we need to have in the account? We don't have that in the account. Okay, so we're gonna pull some from the emergency account. And so it's very structured, very regular process. And then right. at the end of each month, what I do is I clear my account. So if my checking has an extra $2,000, that gets sent back to the emergency account. And so it's, I always keep the checking right around the, the minimums it needs to be, be in there to operate. And then right. everything else goes to the savings.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. And, you know, when I get another check from one of my other clients, you know, as I said before, I'm probably going to run over to the credit union here. One of the, I've narrowed it down to like two. Um, and so I'll run over to one of them, open an account with that check and then probably do something like what you're talking about. And then we're probably going to move our personal account over to, and it, it, that's always nice. Cause I essentially just transfer funds <laughs> to pay myself. So, so, um, are you putting money away? It, it talks about saving money for later, and I think I think we've kind of talked about that. But what about things like uh, investing for retirement and stuff like that? I mean, how do you manage all of that?
0: Yeah, so uh, well, let me think back. Uh, f- no, maybe five years ago, I wrote uh, a QT, which is um, it's a GUI toolkit for Linux. I wrote a Q- QT app using Ruby, to given given your age, given when you want to retire, given how much you want to retire with, interest rates, inflation, you know, I think about a dozen variables, it would actually calculate using time value of money and stuff, like you need to put away X amount of dollars every month for the next you know, 20, 30 years right. in order to hit your goal. So I wrote the, I wrote an app to figure this out because all the online stuff wasn't good enough. It wouldn't factor in all of the variables I wanted. And so I did that and then I kind of had in my head like, okay, I need to put this much away. And so now um actually right after I get paid, I pretty much transfer a certain amount of money to my retirement. And then my wife has some that she does through her employer, a four hundred one K. Um, and that's pretty much a set amount. And then she also contributes some more to her IRA. Um and so we actually have, you know, a regular monthly amount that we contribute that should be you know, assuming things work the way they do when we retire should be enough to pay for the lifestyle we want. Um, right.
1: And and how do you, how did you figure out what all that was? uh, I mean, you used the program, but
0: I mean, it's a lot of personal finance stuff. Um, you could pretty much look for it now, but it's the idea of like, you put this much away now, um, you're going to earn, you know, this percentage rate and you want to calculate like If you continuously do this, you'll have like 4.3 million or whatever Mm -hmm. when you retire. And then factor in inflation. So, say that's worth like 2 million. 2 million earning like a very, very low risk interest rate will generate, we'll just throw a number out, $40,000 a year. And it's $40,000 a year in today's terms what you actually want. And so you kind of look at what you're doing now, like, okay, you might have a car, you might have a mortgage, but your house might be paid off. So you don't have a mortgage and it's, it's a lot of personal finance, but you've run through it a couple of times and you pretty much get a number like, okay, this is how much I need to do. And there's going to be so many things that change, you know, like bad economy, depressions. And then, you know, there's the other times I like, go, oh, it's a boom, boom year. So you don't really know, Right. but overall you're like, okay, I'm going to get close to where my goal is. And who knows, like, you know, I mean, heaven forbid, you might actually get killed in a car accident in two years. And so that whole plan goes out the window. But at the very least, you planned for it and you kind of have an idea, like, if it does happen, this is how you're going to retire.
1: Right. So uh, I, I don't I don't know if you uh, know this. I'm, I'm a pretty big Dave Ramsey fan, um, which means I listen to the podcast. I haven't read the book and I haven't gone to his Financial Peace University. So uh, you know, I'm one for three, I guess. Um, but so
0: you're not a big fan; you're a little fan.
1: Yeah, I'm a little fan. I, I, I was I tentatively got my wife to agree to go to the Financial Peace University, but um, it was after this weight loss contest, um, which just ended a couple of weeks ago, and it looks like it's probably going to be after we go to Aloha Ruby Conference, um, just because we're going to be gone for you know, <laughs> about a week and. You know, if we're going to sign up, I want to be able to go to all the classes. So, um, anyway, it, it, his, his plan is basically that you have a, and of course this is for personal finance, right? Not for, it, it, it's a little bit different, um, for freelancers. But
0: a lot of personal finance actually really applies to like single person freelance stuff because it, I mean legally you have different accounts and right. stuff separated, but it's so intertwined. Like if I, if we bought a new house, I would just increase my salary in the business, you know? So there's all, you know, it's connected still.
1: Yeah, that's true. Yeah. It, it's, th- there's a line, but yeah, it's not a wall. And, uh, anyway, so he says to have a thousand dollars in your emergency fund and then you pay down all of your debts except for your house. And then, um, you start putting 15%, I think is what he says, about 15% into retirement. You start funding kids' college funds if you're going to do it then. And then you start paying extra on your mortgage. And then you pay your mortgage off. And uh, once you've done all of that, oh, wait, no, you, you pay off your debts. And I, I left out the three to six months emergency fund before you start um, paying into retirement, things like that. And then you start paying extra on your house while you continue to pay, you know, extra into retirement and things like that. And then when that's all said and done, um, then you just start investing in other places to build wealth. So, yeah.
0: And I mean, there's a lot of plans like that seems I mean, that has a lot of common themes and plans pay off debt, save money for emergencies, um, sock money away into retirement you know all that stuff. Like there's there's some like critiques I'd make of it, but overall like that's you know that's personal finance. I mean you know take care of stuff you owe people and put money away in case an oh shit moment happens and then you know plan for the future.
1: Yeah, and th- there's one thing that I I do uh, like about the plan, and that's just that it kind of gives you these steps to work through. And, um, you know, I've, I'm after talking to you, I'm really thinking that what I will do is start putting the money into a savings account that's attached to the business, you know, any extra that I have. And then, you know, once I'm comfortable with the amount of money I have in there, if we if we have enough extra that we want to pay off one of the debts, you know, one of the credit cards or one of the cars or something like that, then then I can just give myself a bonus and we can just wipe it out.
0: Yeah. And like what we do is at the end of every year. So how much I do? I do every month. I have a little spreadsheet. I take 35% of my net income. So what I got paid minus business expenses, uh-huh. but not counting my salary. Right. Um, so 35% of that and I sock into a different account and that's for taxes. And my accountant gives me like, this is about how much you're going to have to pay but I put 35% away. And then typically at the end of the year, after everything gets reconciled, we'll have the account, will come back and say, okay, you got, you know, three, four five, you know, I think one time we had like six or 7,000 extra in that account. And so what we ended up doing is almost every year we take a significant portion and put into retirement, which not only gives us retirement income for later, but it also makes it so we owe less taxes right now. And then I think one year we bought, we bought our TV. Another year was what we used for the deposit on mm-hmm. a new car we got. And then I think last year I just kept it in the business. You know, just as like ex, you know, extra, extra emergency money. And so, you know, socking a little bit away each, uh, each month for taxes is very easy. Um, mm-hmm. And if you don't have like an emergency account for your business, you could just do a flat like 5 or 10% and build it up that way.
1: Right, and and that's probably what I'm going to do. Except I'll probably just put a set amount aside. That way, I don't have to figure out how much to put in. I just know that I'm going to put so much in, and just kind of see how see where that gets me. But um, yeah, it's it, it it's it seems so simple when you talk about it, and it feels so overwhelming when you're thinking about it. I I, I don't know why that is, but
0: well, a lot of it's uncertainty. I mean, like. Every kind of person who says I have an emergency fund, they say three to six months. Okay, do you pick three months or do you pick six months? Because that's you know that's the difference between like say ten thousand and twenty thousand. dollars And right. so there's a lot of uncertainty of which one do I pick? Well. I mean, Chuck, you have a lot of kids, so you probably want to pick the six month because you need a bit more buffer. Well, when it was just me and my wife fresh out of college, we had, I think, two and a half or three months because, I mean, rent was our biggest expense and that was, I think, 700 bucks a month, mm-hmm. you know? So, it's a lot of that and then a lot of like, okay, especially freelancers, like, what if I lose my biggest client? What if I don't get clients this next week? Or what if this client doesn't pay their invoices for three months? Right. And so you almost kind of delayed a decision and try not to make a decision. And then you still have the stress of, I still need to do this. I never finish this.
1: Yep. Yeah. I, I think you pretty well summed that up. It, it really is just, you know, um, y- you know that you need to do it and you know, you really, I don't know for, for me, it also comes down to the fact that I just, you know, I don't have a ton of time. And so it's like, I don't have time now, but it's super important and so, yeah, it's, it's not so much that, you know, everything that I have to do is overwhelming. It's just, you know, it's just, well, when am I going to get to it? Ugh, I don't know when I'm going to get to it. I have to do it though. And yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, honestly, the easiest thing to do is anytime you deposit a check, take 10% of it and throw it into your emergency fund. Worst case, you're gonna to have to pull money out from that if you t- you know if you should have put five away or whatever. But just take ten percent; it's an easy number, and yeah. make it a habit of when you're writing out the deposit slip, write out a transfer, you know, however you do it, so that it's at the exact same time, and you know, eventually, be like, oh crap, look at all this money I have in here.
1: Yep, yeah. yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and then you can you can be intelligent about how you manage it from there. So if you you know if you then can. Do a big expense that's going to pay off your business. You can do it if you if you have some personal thing that you need to pay for that's not going to deplete it, you know, beyond where you need it to be. Then you can do that, and you you can figure it out once the money's there. It gives you a lot of options. It gives you a lot of freedom too, because yeah, you don't have to. Th- this is the thing that really gets me with a lot of it is that if you if you have a lot of the money as put set aside in the emergency fund then you don't have to take the jobs that you're not sure you want. Um, you know, you can kind of sit and wait and go, okay, well, you know, this doesn't look like it's going to work out. So, you know, I might take a risk on it or I might not, but you know, you always have the option of just walking away.
0: Exactly. And I mean, that's, that's the point is having the, you know, the backup of money there, it gives you options. Like for instance, like I said, I just took two months off from business. I did, Oh, well, not nothing. I was doing something, but I did no client work, brought in no real income because I have that backup there. I'm slowly. T- I started taking it. I think uh, this month I started drawing a little bit out. But you know, if you have a new kid, the first two three months are like hugely important, and being able to spend as much time with her as I could—that's an opportunity I had because I have that account. And right now, um, some listeners may have heard, but I'm stopped working on Chili Project and Redmine stuff a lot. And so I'm actually, I mean, I'm going to use a buzzword, but I'm basically pivoting a lot of my consulting and I'm looking to get into, you know, normal Ruby on Rails and maybe even JavaScript programming. So it's a completely new niche for me using the experience I have, but, you know, I have to rethink my marketing and it's almost akin to starting a new business. And so I have a two or three month period where I'm not going to have much in the way of clients as I build back up. And I couldn't do this if I didn't have this emergency fund to back me up to pay expenses. And I mean, it's, I remember when I first got started and didn't have this, I, I was taking pro- projects, like I've done Rails, I think three or four years at that time. I took projects where I was doing PHP or building WordPress sites. I knew PHP. I hated it. I knew Rails a lot better, but I had to take projects and I had to pay bills. And so I did that until I built up enough funds and then said, okay, I'm not doing PHP anymore. I'm just doing Rails. So it's, it's that freedom and the ability to take opportunities is what this has.
1: Right. Absolutely. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, that kind of freedom for me. The other thing is, is there are so many things that I want to explore. And so if, if I need to take some time and really dig into some of this stuff, for example, um, one of my clients, he, he was actually the project manager for a client that um, I just uh, ended. Uh, let's see. What am I what am I trying to think about here? So um, they're they're. There's some internal politics going on there. And anyway, I'm kind of on, a, uh, on hiatus with them. And then they're going to decide whether or not they want to bring me back on or not, depending on how things go with their internal team. And um, anyway, it's he's actually gone out and um, been talking to some people who want stuff done and is, is working on bringing things my way. But one of the things that one of these people really want... Um, is an iPhone app. And I've, you know, I've played with iPhone development. I've written a couple of little toy apps that I never put on the iTunes app store, you know, but uh, this was quite a while ago and, and I'm not completely current on it anymore. And uh, anyway, what happened was, um, you know, if, if I needed to take some time, you know, take a week and get current with it again, then, you know it'd be nice because I could, you know, I could just say, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm totally interested in this job. And then while I'm negotiating it, I could work half time and spend the rest of my time, you know, getting current with this stuff. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of freedom there and it's not just in the ability to stop work or to walk away from a job, but it's actually, you know, you can take the time to get trained, build skills, and then go do whatever it is that you, you know, you want to do. So, you know, I, it, it just really appeals to me that way. So, um, all of those different things, you know, being able to spend a little bit more time on my podcasts and not worrying about the fact that, you know, I'm, I'm taking a little bit more time away from, um, from working on projects for clients and things. Um, you know, all of those things are just, for me, they just seem like big wins. So.
0: Yeah. And I mean, once you kind of know, like, this is how much I have in business expenses and personal expenses and my salary. And, you know, you can kind of figure out like my business needs to bring in X amount of dollars a month. And then it, you know, depending on how your client's stuff is, you could even get to where once you hit that amount, like if you hit it like on the 16th of the month, you can stop working and take the rest of the month off. You know, I know a local freelancer who, what is it? I'm, I think he works his ass off 10 months out of the year and then takes a two month trip. And I think this last year, he actually took a two month trip to Mexico and just went around Mexico, went, you know, wherever he felt like it, kind of not backpacking, but just, you know, driving to different towns, sitting in the cafes, chilling, doing what he wants. And then when he comes back, he works again for another 10 months and will take a two month trip to like Europe or something, you know. And he's like, that's, that's how he recharges and he, he builds up the cash in order to live those two months.
1: Right. Yeah, totally. And and that makes a lot of sense, and that that really appeals to me too, because I, I love to travel, I love to you know to explore some of those things, and yeah, it just yeah, I, I really love that idea. So you work your tail off, and then you and then you you win later. So uh, are are there any other aspects of uh, managing finances that we didn't talk about? Or I, one, I I guess one thing that does come up for me, and I'm probably going to talk to my CPA about it, but I'm wondering if you have any insight on this. My wife doesn't work in my business, but we are going to be taking this trip to Hawaii. Um, I'm going to be speaking at the Aloha Ruby conference. And uh, this is one conference she wanted to come along with me for. Imagine that. Um, And so I'm trying to figure out how I can write off as much of the expenses to bring her along as I can. Um,
0: I mean, it's tax law, so I'm not a tax accountant or any of that stuff, disclaimer, but from the way I understand it is if it's, if you're going for a business trip and it's just business, you can write off the trip and everything. If you're going for a trip and it's like half business, half personal, it's, you have, you can write off like 50% of the trip. Right. I don't think you could write off your wife's stuff, but if you go, like, say you go and um, you're going to spend it like 50, 50 and you go out to dinner, your wife's there, but also some other people and you talk business stuff, you might be able to claim 50% of that dinner. So it's it's really tricky. I know the IRS is really strict about like travel and writing off mills and entertainment stuff, but um, you can write off at the very least a lot of your side of it.
1: Yeah, yeah, and that that's kind of the plan. I mean, I have a bunch of Sky Miles, so I'm probably just going to book her pl- flight on those, and then have the business pay for my flight um, and things like that, so that you know I can I can get the most expensive parts covered. Um, you know by the business. But yeah, I I just wonder, you know, if there's any way to do it. You know, I I don't know if, if I hire her to do certain amounts of work or have her participate in some way related to the conference, if I can get away with it that way. I just don't know. But
0: yeah I mean it'd be hard like I've gone with my wife who doesn't participate in my business we've gone to like a coffee shop or dinner and I've talked business with her and it's been like you know like hard business like okay we're trying to plan out this next year this and that and she's mostly a sounding board and that type of thing and those I typically write off because it's a business lunch or business dinner or whatever but um, it's no travel it's you know maybe it's under a hundred bucks each time
1: yeah Yep. All right. Well, um, I told my wife I'd be off at 3, which means that we have about 10 minutes left of the show. And I know this is going to be a little bit shorter, uh, unless you have something else to bring up. Um, We'll get into the picks.
0: Uh, Yeah. So a couple things just to summarize. Like, if you don't have it, try to build up emergency savings. Um, Easy way, if you don't want to spend time to think about it, is put 10 or 20% of every invoice, like, check from an invoice uh, into a savings account. Um, save for taxes. If you don't have an accountant, just take 20 or 30% more and put that into a, a different savings account. Um, you know, like, I guess ask yourself, like, really, do you need this for your business? I mean, some things that might not be a huge need, but you could get a large productivity win from it. Um, and then really do the same thing on your personal side. Like make sure you have, an emergency fund for your personal life too. And don't forget about retirement. I mean, you don't get a 401k, you don't get employers to match. You have to put all the money into the retirement account yourself. And you don't want to end up being 65, still having to freelance, still having to deal with clients, still having to chase invoices.
1: Right. Yeah, exactly. I I totally agree. And, uh, you know, just, just the flexibility that you get out of that. You know, the not, the the amount of, of worry that you're avoiding. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, um, awesome. Well, let, let's get into the picks. Um, why don't you go ahead and go first?
0: Okay, so this is a presentation by Merlin Mann. Um, it's from Webstock 2011. The title is Scared Shitless, How I Mostly Learned to Love Being Afraid of Pretty Much Everything. Um, pretty pretty emotional talk actually uh, talks about how different stages of his life how he was afraid of different things and how that caused him to not take an action or to take an action and then the results of it and it's a it's a pretty interesting like look back at his life um I think a lot of us can look at that and you know we're all really afraid especially when you get started with freelancing of like what if this happens what if this happens and sometimes you just kind of gotta take the plunge and just try something um so, it's pretty good presentation. I don't remember how long it is, but it's definitely worth watching.
1: All right. Awesome. So, uh, my picks, I, I don't know if I brought this up on this show. I think I did uh, several weeks ago. I didn't get all of the, or I wasn't paying attention to my car, and I didn't put oil in it. Yeah, I heard change. About that. Oil changed for a while. So, uh, anyway, I blew up the engine. Um, it was pretty bad. Yeah. Um, It still kind of ran. It just kind of didn't run well. Um, But there was no way that I could make it through the canyon that I was driving through when it went kaput. Anyway, so my father-in-law and I went down and we got uh, uh, an engine from the the scrapyard or whatever you want to call it. And uh, we swapped it out. And uh, this, what was it? It was Saturday, I think, um, the water pump on the new engine went out. And so um, I wound up replacing it. And um, over the years, ha- having worked with him on various things that in the house or in the, um, you know, in on the car and things like that, I've, I've begun to accumulate the tools that I need to work on this stuff. And uh, you would not believe how handy some of them are. So I'm just going to bring up a few um, that, that I think people, if, if they want to kind of get into working on some of this mechanical stuff um, should probably invest in. Um, the, the first one is an air compressor. Um, and the air compressors are nice, not just because um, you can, you know, fill up the tires on the car or the bike or whatever, but they're also really handy in um, in that they're used to drive tools. So you can get a, like an, a nail gun or um, socket. a socket, uh, an impact wrench. Or, you, yeah, you can get a, a socket wrench, an air-driven socket wrench. And, um, you know, so, so my pick is an air compressor. And uh, in this case, what we used most of the time was an impact wrench. Um, super, super handy. And then um, the other, my other pick, um, if I can, I, my mind just totally blanked here. Um, so the other thing that was really handy to have was a hydraulic jack. Um, you know, a a decent one costs you what, like 70 bucks or something. Um, but if you get one of those and a couple of jack stands and you can get your, you can get your car up where you can actually, you know, get under it and work on it that way. And, uh, honestly, it's well worth the investment. I mean, one or two oil changes and you make the money back. Um, just because taking it in somewhere between your time, especially if your time is worth what, what, uh, what mine is at my rate. Um, versus, you know, just jacking the thing up, getting under it, you know, emptying the oil out, pulling the filter off, putting the new filter on, filling it back up with oil. I mean, we're talking like 10 minutes. Um, but if you take it in, it always takes them like a half hour or more. And uh, they charge you way more than than the stuff is worth. The other thing is, is then you can choose, you know, what kind of oil you want in it and make sure that you're, you're getting what you want um, with taking care of your car. So, uh, you know, those are my picks. Um, and, uh, beyond that, I just, I don't know. Um, I also thought, and, uh, i I'd, I'd been thinking about how we could make the show more interesting and you had been too. And you actually said that you might want to talk just briefly about, you know, what's, what's been going on in your business. I know we talked a lot about that just today in in the normal discussion, but you know, I, I, I really like the idea. So, um, is there anything going on in your business you want to talk about?
0: Um, like I said, I'm trying to find like a new niche to work in. And so I pretty much this entire week I've been writing blog posts or, um, writing scripts to do screencasts. And so like I've been doing, probably three or four hours of marketing a day which if you've ever done a lot of marketing like that's you you can get killed like it's so so labor intensive so much thinking especially when you most of the stuff you do is dev um and so I have a lot of that stuff and I'm actually kind of playing a lot of new ideas um marketing wise and so probably on my blog I'll be having a lot of that stuff come out and uh, it's still like I, I take my time when I edit. So there's posts that might take two or three weeks before they actually see the light of day. But that's what I've been doing. I mean, my fingers are sore from typing.
1: Wow. So how do you decide what you're going to switch niches into? For example, let's say that I got tired of Ruby on Rails. I'm not. But let's say that I did. How do you, how do you make that transition? How do you decide what you're going to pivot to?
0: Um honestly I don't know yet like I still like Ruby on Rails um and I love Ruby in general but JavaScript has always interested me a lot um when I first was looking at it it was still not not that the language was immature like this was before jQuery like prototype was just came out and so there was still a lot of work you had to do to make things work well now there's you know a lot of that's done for you there's a lot of great libraries out there and so I'm considering JavaScript and then I'm also looking at a you know a lot of the single page app style uh, you know Gmail where it's like one page, you got all the JavaScript doing a lot of your logic and then you just have the back end server just with an API and so I'm taking a look at some of that stuff but the hard thing is is I'm trying to avoid of like finding a, you know, figuring out like this is the solution I provide and then looking for a problem like I'm still trying to figure out like okay, what do you, my potential customers actually want and need like do they need this or is it just a standard type of site they need and so that's why i said like i'm doing a lot of marketing a lot of research of like you know what are what are businesses wanting right now from web design and development
1: right cool well you'll have to keep us posted on how that's going yeah um i i think the big news was anything that i covered today was just you know me fighting the issues with the payment so and I, I don't know that there's much more to share so we'll we'll go ahead and wrap the show up and uh, you know thanks for coming we'll we'll be on again next week.
0: Yeah, take care.